2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 9. I'll be careful with the presence of God. Church, you should always be careful with the presence of God. As we're about to read, I should remind you, church, that we we believe all of this book. And I would remind all of us, man, I'm drawn back to a place of fundamental core belief and understand that this, that God gave the church gifts of His Spirit, manifestations, and they should, you should expect the gifts of the Spirit to move in your church. I don't know if that's me or not. You should expect you should expect it should be routine. It's the norm for the gifts of the Spirit to move among God's people. Not just in tongues and interpretation. They were given to us and for us. And if there was ever a day that we needed the gifts of the Spirit in operation in the body of Christ, it's today. It should be expected and desired. Thank you, worship team. First, Second Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 9. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. This is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The all that he's talking to is the church. It's only the redeemed that are at the judgment seat of Christ. The wicked dead will be raised to the great white throne judgment. He's speaking to the church. Do you understand? For we all must appear at the judgment seat of Christ that each may receive the things he's done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are all well known to God. And I also trust are well known in your consciences. Verse 12. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you an opportunity to boast on our behalf. That you may know and have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. Wow. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. You know, Paul was often accused of being beside himself. One time it says, Paul, much learning has made you mad. Not angry, crazy. What you don't understand is Paul had a 
burning passion for the truth of God's word and for the people of God. Just to lay a little background before I even go any further, read the first Corinthian letter written to Corinth. It's scathing in its tone. And blunt in its rebuke. To the church at Galatia, he was the same way. I told the Sunday school class this morning that to the Galatian church, Paul even skipped the greeting. You know, he'd usually come and say, I, you know, I, Paul, a bondservant of Christ, an apostle of Christ, come to you, may grace abound towards you. And Galatians, he cut, he cut through all of that and he, he just came to him and said, who in the, you foolish Galatians, who, who is so quickly led you away from the gospel of Christ? Paul laid it on the line. Verse 13, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us. King James says, for the love of Christ constrains us. Because we judge this, that if one died for all, then all died. And if he died for all, that those who live shall live no longer for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again. Can I read that one last sentence again before we go on? I want you to listen to it. Let it speak to you. Listen, anytime you read the Word of God, whether in a public setting or yourself, you should let the Word of God speak to you. The Word of God still speaks today. For the love of Christ compels us. Because we judge this, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live shall no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Let me help you. If Jesus Christ came and needed to die for all, then all were dead. Everybody. All of them. And if he died for all, then us who, who accept him, who will live, who, who he's caused to live, and let me tell you, if you're not living in him, you're dead. That we should no longer live for ourselves. But for him who died for them and rose again. Not in my plans, but I'll, put it, but I'll insert it here. When we, we've got to come to the place where we live, when we're born again, when we're born again into the newness of life, that, that our plans are no longer our plans. To James, he, he even gave the church a rebuke. He said, don't say, tomorrow I will do this, and tomorrow I will do that. He says, you say, if it be the Lord's will, I will. When's the last time you asked what his will was for your life? For today, never mind the grand scheme. I'll ask you again. I told the Sunday school class this morning, if, you are, if, you're, out, if you're not in his word, then you are out of his word. 
If you're not in prayer, then you are out of prayer. And if you, you, if you are born again, but you're not in His Word and in, in prayer, you are living your life day to day in the flesh, in carnality, period. And you are living a lifestyle that is at enmity with God. How is that possible? Is it possible? It's absolutely possible. And not only is it possible, it's widespread. To be spiritually, to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Hello. The love of God, the love of Christ, he said, compels me. What, what does he say? It is the love of Christ for you, the church, that constrains me, that compels me to preach the way I preach. That's what he's saying. Therefore, verse 16, from now on, we regard no one according to flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the, to the flesh, we now know him, thus no longer. Let me help you with that. We, we heard about him through carnal means, through the flesh. But when I became his, I don't, I'm not, I don't know him any longer through a fleshly means. I know him through spirit. Hello. For if a man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. And behold, that means stop and take a look and take it in. And before behold, all things are become new. Now all, say, say all, things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation now then we somebody say we, we. are ambassadors of Christ as though God were pleading through us we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God for he that made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied already. Lord, help us in the next few moments. Let us speak as with the tongue of a ready writer. Let us give us ears to hear, hearts to receive. Let us be measured in speech to what you would have us say. And we'll be careful to give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I come to you to speak to you this morning about three things, which I doubt will all three get said. Hard things. I come to talk about some hard things. Standing alone.
That's a hard thing. Spiritual abuse that is rampant in his church today, that's a hard thing. And church trouble, hard things. But thank God there's an answer for everything in the Word of God. I would love to, by the way, thank you for everyone that said it's glad, we're glad you're home. There is no one in this room that's more glad to be home than I am home than I am. I promise you. Second only to Heather. I think I'm more glad to be home than she is. But that could be up for debate. I would love to tell you that I've been coming home from a week of revival and that I'm, that I'm encouraged about the things of God and the things of the assemblies of God and I'm encouraged about the condition of the church today. But that's not true. I didn't come home encouraged. I come home broken, really, and weary. I left one business meeting literally at 4.30 in the afternoon, went to my hotel room and didn't leave except to go pick up a piece of pizza about 11.30 at night and eat it and go to bed. I didn't want to see anybody, talk to anybody. I called a close friend of mine, was there the next morning, and he asked, and I said, told him that we never left the room. He said, we didn't either. We went and grabbed a bite and shut the door and talked amongst ourselves about our future. Hard things. Hard things. Standing alone. Elijah thought he stood alone. And it was at a time, it was at a time when he had just had a great victory. Go read it and you'll find out that whenever he had called down fire on Mount Carmel, the next thing you know, he's running for his life, living in a cave and asking God to die. Because he was alone. And God said, Elijah, you're not alone. There's 7,000 others that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. But church, I find it interesting that there were 7,000 others that hadn't bowed, bowed their knee to Baal, but I don't see any record of those 7,000 standing with Elijah. I read what Paul was in a Philippian jail, and at the end of his life, he wrote some letters. He, he was writing to Timothy. He said, come as quickly as you can. I hope you can get here. So when you come, bring me my coat. Bring me my, bring the scrolls, bring me my old Bible. He said, only Luke is with me. Oh, I know I'm not alone today. But when you read, when you watch thousands of people celebrate a fleshy display that bears no fruit for eternity and call it worship, you feel alone. When you watch your colleagues and contemporaries celebrate it and post about it, the great time in the Lord they had this week when you were in the same place watching the same display and you can't say the same thing, you feel alone. You feel alone. 
When you watch your leadership at the highest level dismiss a hurting missionary that's speaking for hundreds, perhaps, that are being unheard and pushed aside where they feel like they have no voice and flippantly dismissed when they're crying out for help. You feel alone. In the meantime, missionary after missionary, because I posted about it, you've probably seen it, have reached out to me privately and said thank you. Just thank you for anybody that'll hear our voice and say something. Thank you. That's spiritual abuse, by the way. God help us. Mag Church, I've, when I came here, I came into a, to an atmosphere of years of spiritual abuse, if you want me to be frank about it. I didn't come to hurt anybody's feelings. And I didn't come to open any old wounds. I just come to talk about some things that are true. I spent 42 years on that side of the pulpit. I know all about what spiritual abuse looks like. And I determined a long time ago never to, to deal with it again and never to render it. Standing alone in spiritual abuse and church trouble. Church trouble comes when a pastor or the leader of a church will not handle its problems and handle them in real time. That causes church trouble. Paul said, the love of God constrains me. He said, why? He said, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for what we've done, whether good or bad. The love of God constrains me. It was a hard place and a hard time to come into. I'll even go ahead. I, I, I don't usually spend much time explaining myself because I, also, I know many times if you're, if you're on defense, then you're, you're in the wrong place. But I will tell you, I've read the book. I've read 13 epistles written by Paul by his own hand, and every one of them addressed a church problem to that church in real time. Let me say it again. Every letter that Paul wrote was written to a real church about real problems in that church in real time. Anytime you're not addressing and you're sweeping under the rug, you will end up in a situation where people are abused every time. Spiritually. You will end up, we are ending up now in a church that is, that is more apostate than they are believers. The Bible said it would be such, by the way. Let me tell you something today in the hour that we live in that it's either revival or apostasy. There's no between. Quiet. How do you know? Throughout the word of God from Genesis to the Revelation, God hates mixture. There's things he'll deal with. He would deal with a church and a people that had a heart for him and he would bless them abundantly over and over. When they were dedicated to him, he would bless them. He would put up with apostate or, or backslidden societies that were just living full out for the enemy. He would put up with it. Go through and read it and see if I'm wrong or if I'm right. 
The problem always came when the people of God tried to mix the things of God with the things of the world and intertwine them and say it's okay. God never one time put up with that, ever, and never will. In Genesis, he told you, don't even wear mixed fabric. Don't mix your seed. You say, that's the law. The law was always pointing to something. It was the type and the shadow. It was, it was, it was the image of what God was trying to convey. That it was Jesus alone and nothing else. That it was holiness alone and nothing else. That you can't, you can't, have, you can't have your idols and him too. No mixture. Don't, the seed, by the way, he said, don't mix your seed in Leviticus chapter 19. And he say, what does that mean? Go, the, go to the parable of the sower. It says there was a man who sowed seed. And he says, and the seed was the word of God. You can't mix your seed. You can't have the word of God and the word of, uh, and the word of men's philosophy. And put, they cannot be, listen to me church and hear me. They cannot be combined. I'm disturbed. By every pulpit I hear that's above me lately, at the district level and at the, at the general council level, you say, you're talking about, uh, I come to talk about my own today. I don't have any say in the Southern Baptist or the Methodist or the Episcopalians or the, anybody else. I'm talking about our own today. And it's time it's dealt with. Soul care. And soul rest is everywhere I go. And, it's a, and it, it is a devil's mixture of human philosophy, of human anecdotes mixed with the Word of God. And I'll go all the way to the Revelation where he told the church, I would rather that you were either hot or that you were cold. But if you are lukewarm, what is lukewarm? It's a mixture of hot and it's a mixture of cold. Does anybody want? I had a bowl of lukewarm soup just yesterday at Olive Garden. Guess what I did with it? I don't want it. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Hear me, church. When Paul, to this very church, in his first letter, he come, to talk, he come to talk to you in, the, in his opening statements. Let me read it. I thank God that I baptize none of you except for Crephas and Gaius, lest anyone should think I baptize in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides that, I know of, of none, whether I baptize any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ be made of no effect. For, the, for this message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. And I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? God has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. Listen to me. The world through wisdom does not know God. 
For it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believed. The Jews request a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block. To the Greeks foolishness. But those who are called both Jews and Greeks. Christ. The power of God. And the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Hear me. In Christ, in Him, dwells the fullness, somebody say it, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. To the, letter, to the Ephesians and the Colossians, Paul declared that Jesus Christ, that it was in, He was all in all. You're not understanding. He is all in all. If, he, if, if the blood of Jesus, listen to me, church, I'm fixing to lay it down. If the blood of Jesus is not enough, then what we're doing today is a joke. If the blood of Jesus is not enough to set the captive free, then, we, then what we are doing here is, a, is, is made the cross of Christ of none effect. If we do not understand, if you turn the page in chapter 2 and Paul says, I did not come to you with excellence of speech or... or, or uh, coming to you with enticing words of men's wisdom. But I come to you with a demonstration of the power of God. If we don't have a demonstration of the power of God, lives never get changed. Situations never change. I gotta hurry. Hear me, church. Church problems are come when pastors and church leadership don't handle church problems and in real time and absolutely put it down let hear me there is nothing more loving and more compelling and more right than a pastor and a church board that will not that will deal with church problems immediately and swiftly and allow no room for it Period. And I will never hear me. I will never make an apology for doing what the Word of God says and leading correctly. It will never, ever happen. But I'm going to tell you, I will never apologize for standing against the apostate situation that we are looking at in the church today. Where we're looking to everything but God for our solutions. Hear me. I didn't come to make anybody uncomfortable. I didn't come to step on anybody's toes. But if the Word of God steps on your toes, then it just has to step. We've got to understand that there is no other way. The Word of God lays out everything that we have that pertains to life and godliness for us and for everyone else. Spiritual abuse. I asked several people. I sent out emails and texts yesterday. I want to hear it. What is it? What's it look like? Spiritual abuse, one thing, has rules for, me, for thee and not for me. Running around all over the world today is the philosophy, the theology that comes out of, of, of a broken theological system of, of hyper-spiritual authority, if you'll hear me. God, for everything, let me say it this way, for everything God has, the enemy has a substitute, a counterfeit. 
Running around the church world today, you got all these people declaring themselves apostles, that everybody has to bow down and scrape to them. Now, I believe in the apostolic ministry of the church. I believe that everything God laid into place from the beginning, the five-fold ministry, was for then and it's for now. I believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for then and they're for now. I believe that God, everything that God laid out was for then and it's for now. But let me tell you, it wasn't so that people could be going around and you'd be telling people who they could date and telling people who they could marry and telling people when they could buy a house and when they couldn't buy a house. Tell them, having people run around behind the pastor carrying his bag. Having people come around behind the pastor. When everything, every, every little beck and call. You think, you say, does that happen? It happens everywhere. There, there was a, a movement years ago called, called, they put the armor bearer uh, label on it, but all it was was an abusive pastor that was, that was having everybody do everything for him. And, and by the way, it's happening all around us. He called us to serve, Jeff, not to be served. It applies different standards to different people. If, they have a, if they're a big contributor, is the favorite one. The more they give, the less, the, less, the less you talk to them about things that they're messing up on. Let me tell you another form of spiritual abuse that's happened all over the church. I've got to hurry because I've only got just a few more minutes. There was some notion that came into the church world today that the pastor is responsible for what you do when you leave here. Same thing. It's the same thing. Telling people how to live their lives. You know what the pastor is responsible for? The pastor is responsible to, to teach, equip, and prepare people to do the work of the gospel outside. That's what his, that's what his job is. And is the pastor, it literally means shepherd, is to protect the sheep. That's his two jobs, is to equip and to protect. Let me say it over here. His two jobs is to equip and to protect. Let me say it again. His two jobs are to equip and to protect. I will equip you and I will protect you. It is to preach the whole counsel of God in this building and, and to, spare, to cry aloud and to spare not. Cry aloud the word of God. Spare not your feelings. <laughs> your likes and dislikes. God never called anybody. I, I see pastors polling people. What would you like me to preach on? That's, that's very common. It's everywhere. I don't care. God, he never called anybody to, to poll the audience to see what they, you know what? Chances are, if I got something going on in my life, I don't want you preaching on it, Jason. I talk about spiritual abuse, I should talk about spiritual neglect. Because spiritual neglect, a spiritual neglect puts blinders on. It's when, a, it's when a, a spiritual leader puts blinders on and refuses to address the thing in his own flock while, while, his, while the sheep are getting sick and dying all around them. That's neglect. If it was in the human nature, CPS would come take your children. That's what would happen in the natural. CPS would come take your kids because you're neglecting them. But the abuse is, is whenever... People leave and they, and they want to lord over people when they leave the door. My job is to preach the whole counsel of God in this room and to equip you. What you do with it when you leave is between you and God. Cry loud and spare not. I don't know where to go forward. I'll just tell you frankly. I'm not advocating for anything. I'm just still telling you I don't know where to go forward with my own people right now. 
Because we're not, on, we're, not on, we're not even on the same planet, Jeff, much less the same page. Oh, I can't address it all. I have to continue some tonight. But I, what I want you to know, what Paul's saying, the love of God constrains us to preach what's true and to do what's right. I know what it's like to suffer at the hands of a spiritual abuser. I know what it's like not to have a voice. I know what it's like to finance their projects while they set you down. What you don't understand, maybe you don't, is 42 years on this side of the pulpit has been my greatest asset that I ever had. To know what it is to be on this side rather than this side. I've seen what the cancer does when it's left untouched. I've lived through the abuse that comes when people want your check but they don't want your opinion. I lived through the effects of the controllers in the town being, being who controlled the message of the church rather than the Spirit of God. If you're watching from my, any of my hometowns or home churches, I mean you no harm. And most of you that are watching or even if you're the spiritual leadership, you know the mess that was created and you know what it left behind and you know the wake, that, that, the death and the destruction that's been in its wake for, for years. So I make no apology for addressing what's true. There's some things I want you to hear that's the positive, that's got to be said again. This is what, this standing alone, Jeff, or whoever, standing alone, I know I'm not the only one. Do you hear me? Well, I, I got other friends, so I know, I know I'm not the only one, but the tide is against us. It's hard to believe that you're interested in my soul care and my soul rest, whatever in the world that means. Let me help you with that. That's psychobabble is what that is. But psychobabble is the order of the day. I find it hard to believe that the leader of my movement is concerned at all about my soul care whenever a man come before the general council as his last resort to speak for dozens and dozens and dozens of missionaries that are being systematically abused within the system and under the cover and tritely and completely and utterly dismissed in front of the, in front of the, the body that he had, that he is a member in good standing to speak. Bitter and sweet water cannot flow from the same fountain. You're, you're, either, you're either concerned about my soul care and his or you're not. Right. Many of you have heard and have some knowledge of the incredible and systematic abuse and sexual abuse that's come out of Chi Alpha in South Texas that has now made a national scandal that is still being tightly wrapped. But when the only occasion it came up in the meeting of the people that can make a difference. Did you hear me? 
I don't know if you understand or not. Some of you are just, if you don't understand the specifics, the broad application is good for you too. The general council in session, the general council is made up of me. Ministers. Licensed and ordained ministers of the Assemblies of God. And when they come together and call a meeting in the order, they are the highest governing body of the fellowship. Yes? Whenever a scandal that's under surface that is tragic, that is going to come to light and fullness, eventually it will cost hundreds of millions of dollars to somebody. Are you hearing me? And the only time it was even brought up was in the closing day when 75% of the people were gone and the superintendent addressed it as a hiccup. Many of my colleagues will say, JR, you've gone too far. You need to shut up. I would say to you, you need to stand up and man up and speak up. That's what I would say to you. I would say you need to take the blinders off of your eyes and stand. There's not a person in this room, if one of your grandchildren or grandchildren were in that situation that they were put in for 30 years, that would be saying it's a hiccup. Nobody. Mag Church. I told you a few weeks ago, and I'm going to tell you again. You have never had a pastor, I promise you, that loves you any deeper than this pastor. That will teach you any straighter. And stand for you in your hardest times. That will stand with you when you fall on your face as hard as you can fall. And won't kick you while you're down. That will help you. It would never be, and I told you so. It'll be, let's get up. But you've also... It's, but I will also stand for what's right when it makes me popular or unpopular. When people don't understand me and when they, you should always consider that the, I probably have more information than you have. And that we're going to do what's right because it's revival or it's apostasy. I say things even to this church to people that love me who stand with me that they don't like when I talk about it i got to hurry. Because we, what we, we have delved into straight mixture and heresy whenever we start talking about soul care and soul rest rather than come unto me, all you that are burdened and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me what is, and I will give you rest. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied because the blood applied was more than I don't have to go to hell. He was despised and rejected of men. He was wounded for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. Let me say it again. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. I'm talking about he's your soul care. I'm talking about he's your peace of mind. 
I'm talking about he's the healer of the things that have disturbed your mind. He is the healer. I'm just going to have to talk about it. If you're, I think everybody's learned by now that 10.30 to 12.30 is minimum of what's going to happen around here. So I'm just going to go ahead and say some things in the next few minutes. And it's amen or oh me. We have got to understand. I have a friend of mine who is a psychiatrist. And when I sat down with him, because I couldn't believe the ministry he was affiliated with because that ministry makes no bones about the depravity and the idolatry of psychology and psychiatry. And I said, Doctor, I won't tell you his name. How do you reconcile your affiliation with this ministry, with their position? He said, it's not hard at all. He said, listen to me, he's African. I don't mean African-American, I mean he came from Africa. If there's one thing somebody from Africa knows, it's witchcraft and idolatry. Hear me. There's one thing people, somebody from Africa knows, it's witchcraft and idolatry. See, Americans are so dumb, they think all the, they think all the witchcraft and idolatry is in, is in Africa. They don't understand that they live it, they breathe it, they, they sit around it every day. Do you hear me? I said, how do you reconcile, how do you reconcile your profession with, with your ministry? He said, look at me and listen to me. He said, psychiatry is the treatment of the, of the mind and the soul. I said, yes, it is. He said, listen to me. Unless a man is born again and baptized in the Holy Ghost, he cannot practice psychiatry in a biblical sense. It's not possible. Right. Yes. And listen to the next statement from an African. And anybody who is doing that, anybody that wears the badge of psychiatry that is not saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost is a witch doctor. He said, because you're trying to put together potions and schemes and enchantments to deliver the human mind and the human soul. And only Jesus can heal the human mind and the human soul. He said, if you have a physical condition, you treat it. He said, you cannot medicate a spiritual issue. You cannot counsel a devil. He said, physical ailment, you treat it like you would any others. Mm-hmm. He, said, what do you, he said, do you believe in healing? I said, I do. He said, you wear glasses. I said, I do. He said, what are you going to do without them glasses? I said, I'm going to wear them until God heals me. He said, exactly. Right. Exactly. It's a physical condition. He said, but anybody that would try to lead you to believe that you can, that you can, that you can bring people to a point of reconciliation with God and to peace with their self in a spiritual situation through counseling and through medication is a witch doctor. Say, that doesn't sit well with me. I'm sorry. We either believe Jesus is all in all. Before you get mad at me, before you come to talk to me, psychiatry and counseling can define problems. We use our codependent. Everybody know what codependent means? That's a psychological term. It defines an issue. Oh, I could go through an enabler. Everybody know what that is? Psychological term defines the issue. 
They can define the issue. They cannot solve the problem. And until the church gets back to understanding that Jesus Christ is all in all, we will never advance past where we're at. Oh, sucked all the oxygen out of the room. But you know what? It's still true. Brandon can play because it helps him. And I'm going to tell you why. There's some things you have to understand. It is not radical. It's, it's, it's absolutely scriptural Christianity. It's not radical. The only, I've told you for weeks that we came to the place where in the church that truth is radical. If there was any other solution for the condition of man, then Jesus Christ didn't have to come and he didn't have to die. I think I need you to get that around. I need you to wrap your mind around it. If there was any other solution for the condition of man, then Jesus Christ did not have to come and he did not have to die. Period. Reconciling us back to God so we didn't go to hell is just the beginning of what he done. Not, it's not the, it doesn't encapsulate everything. It's the beginning of what he done. Go read about the atonement and understand that Jesus died for us body, soul, and spirit. He's the answer for all of it. Paul told the church in the letter, to the pastoral letter to Timothy, said that there was coming a time when men and mankind would be ever learning, ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of truth. That they would have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. That's what we're talking about. He said, from such run, by the way. Didn't they walk away from it? He said, run away from it. Get away from it. Get away from it. The old songwriter said, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Hear me, hear me. If you want to be mad, be mad. But I want you to think while you're mad. Would it help you to know, would it help you to know that I have many, 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 many times left church mad at what the preacher had to say? Would that surprise you? Do you know what it did? It matured me. Oh, it's maybe a Facebook meme, but if what the preacher says makes you mad, but it's scriptural, you're the problem. Get over it. If what the the preacher had to say is scriptural, and you're mad, you're the problem. Not the scripture, not the preacher, it's you. And you know what? The times I left ran over, and knocked down and facing the dirt and mad as an old wet hen. Do y'all have wet hens in South Texas? Don't nobody will be looking at nobody right now. Wouldn't be the time. If you just looked at your wife, that was inappropriate. (laughs) 
it was the time that my mind had to be renewed by the truth of the Word of God. I was, it was the times I was confronted with the choice that I either had to believe what the Word said Listen to me. There's never been a time in human history. It's a fact. Where there's been more anxiety. More stress. More depression. More suicide. More counseling. And more medication. Ever. Where the pulpit had more Oprah and Dr. Phil and Dr. Whoever than Jesus Christ. There's never been a time, ever. And if nothing else would sober you to the truth, that that mixture is a lie, a damnable lie, that is damning people to a life of struggle rather than a life of being set free. That truth alone ought to open your eyes. Let me tell you something as you're standing all over this place. Only Jesus Jesus can satisfy your soul. I've only touched the highlights, just enough to make people mad. This morning. But here's where we're going to end. Worship team, if you could get back up here real quick and sing, just sing glory to his name. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Glory to his name. Here's what I want you to hear in the closing moments of this service. Everybody knows that we've preached Christ crucified here. And everybody knows that everybody in this room, I suspect, most everybody, maybe not everybody, knows that Jesus will save you from your sin and change your eternal destination. But through all of my trying to articulate in a hurry what I didn't have time to spell out completely, this is what I want you to know. That he not only will save you from your sin and give you a new eternal and give you eternal life. This is what you need to know about Jesus Christ when you live for him. Listen to me, Mag Church. A casual a casual a casual relationship will not do it. The reason we don't see the results of the Bible is because Christians are not living like the people of the Bible. I told you early in the service, if you're not in the Word of God, then you're living carnally. That's a blanket statement. End of story. If you're not in the Word of God, you don't have a prayer life, you are living a carnal life. And you're miserable. Because that's a terrible place to be caught between the things of the Spirit and the things of the flesh. But what I want you to know this morning when you realize that he's all and he's in all. And they come to do everything for you, body, soul, and spirit. And can I just say it this way and really, it's so delicate. If you would crucify that flesh and get over yourself. If you would crucify that flesh, and get over yourself 
Half of the work will be done in advance. If, a man, if any man come after me, he must first deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. You got to die. I'm crucified with Christ. Means I've died. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ lives in me. For the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let hear me this morning. If you're here and you're not saved, born again, let's use the bus, born again, you must be born again. That's the first order of business and we're going to pray with you. But I came for the rest of you and we won't even tarry with it. If you turn your eyes on him this morning and know that if you're struggling in anxiety and overwhelming anxiety where you can't sleep, where you're worried to death, where it's destroying your health and, and the tension is destroying your family, if you're overwhelmed by oppression and depression and every other oppression, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. If you've got, you got a physical ailment, hear me, I don't care whether you're blind and you can't see or whether you're lame and you can't walk or whether you've got, a, you've got some kind of physical thing that's giving you a struggle, He heals too. I need a church to realize that we've always believed, we have no trouble believing that He saves and Scott, we have no trouble believing that He heals. Physically. If we, have no re- if we have no trouble believing that He's a Savior that saves us from an eternal hell, and we have no trouble believing that He heals sick bodies, then what is the holdup? What is the struggle that He will heal the mind and anxiety? What's the holdup? Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied.